The following is a presentation of Hogeye Sports Radio and is produced by Flat Creek Productions. Hey man, turn on the radio. Let's hear some tunes. From deep in the heart of Hogeye country, this is the Hogeye Sports Show. Oh, baby, they're lining it up. Is that all this thing will pick up? Of course. It's Hogeye Sports Radio. Welcome into another episode of the Hog Eye Sports Show. Uh, Mike Johnson and Josh Scott here to talk about Livingston Academy sports. And we're going to recap the Livingston Academy versus Tullahoma first round of the TSSAA playoffs that happened this past Friday night at Tullahoma High School. And the good news is that the Wildcats come away with a win. The bad news is those Wildcats were not wearing blue and white. As uh, both teams' mascot is the Wildcats, and Tullahoma uh, came away with the win. Final score of Livingston Academy 23 and Tullahoma 37. So Tullahoma will be moving on to the second round of the TSSAA playoffs, and they will play uh, a team from their region in the second round as it was a clean sweep for Region 4 4A over uh, Livingston Academy and other teams in Region 3 4A. So that's, I believe, the second year in a row that that has happened. So maybe next year we can uh, break that trend, but wasn't able to break that trend this year. So let's uh, talk about some of the highlights throughout the game versus Livingston Academy and Tullahoma. We're going to start off with the first... uh, First drive of the game, uh, Tullahoma won, uh, received the opening kickoff in the game, and they they drove the ball down the field. And a theme for Tullahoma throughout the game was penalties. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what the uh, official total number was, but it was over 20 penalties called against Tullahoma in the game, and I think Livingston only had around four. So the big difference in penalties, and on the first drive of the first drive of the game, Tullahoma gets it down the field pretty far, and then they just they just fall apart and have five straight penalties. It's amazing that you win like that. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing. Or even to get close to scoring. <clears throat> so they had the ball first and forty at their own twenty-five. That's. <laughs> First and 40. What do you call for that? That's a long, long way to go. Short time to get there. Yeah, that's a, that's crazy. First and 40 at their own 25. And um, <laughs> that drive ended with this play right here that we're fixing to listen to, courtesy of WLIV play-by-play men Roger Ely and Craig Cantrell. And here is the, the way the first drive for Tullahoma ended. 
got it to the 35 of Tullahoma, where it's going to be second down still. Long way to go. Back to throw. Looking. Laying it out into single coverage. The pass is going to be uh, intercepted by Livingston Academy. That is Wilson. That is not Wilson. That is Raven Carpenter, who comes away with the interception. Carpenter playing tonight in the absence of Aubrey Hollers, who was injured. Coming up with the interception, I think he took that one away from the receiver. He, right? did, he did take it away from Race Nairn. So, um, Raven Carpenter was playing in place of the injured Aubrey Hollers and came away with a uh, very big play, first uh, first drive of the game to stop Tullahoma and keep them from scoring. So, uh, you know, he's just a sophomore. Yes, and he, uh, we'll get to this later, but he's tied, ended up being tied for uh, the lead and receptions on the year with three. Um, a, a guy that when he's on the field, he makes good things happen uh, in the offensive game and in the defensive backfield. Um, and you got to be excited about him going forward. But to go on the road out there, first and 40, uh, something you don't hear a lot by no means, and uh, able to get a stop on that initial drive. That's big when you're the road team, big atmosphere, um, definitely an underdog. Uh, to go down there and come up with a, a stop on the first drive is amazing. Yeah, uh, so Livingston Academy gets the ball, and <clears throat> they move the ball down the field. Uh, some big catches by Will Sims and uh, Brody Johnson get the ball uh, down in the red zone. Ayers has a big run all the way down to the two-yard line, and this is how Livingston Academy's f first offensive possession ends. And Second and goal, football is at the one-yard line halfway through the first quarter. McDonald gives Ayers, Ayers, dives forward, Ayers is there. Touchdown, Livingston Academy. The Wildcats will take the lead. So um, we're, on, we're on top now. Yeah, it's big to score off turnovers uh, in every, every facet of sports. Uh, when you get momentum like that, when you're able to steal momentum, you're able to go down and score, you got to feel good about yourself. Again, playoffs, big atmosphere, first round, winner go home, and you're able to go get a turnover and a touchdown off of it. Uh, you got to feel good right there. Uh, yeah, uh, T. Beatty, um, extra point attempt is good, and so Livingston Academy goes on top with a score of seven uh, to nothing midway through the first quarter. But <clears throat> Tullahoma responds very quickly with a 65-yard touchdown run to tie the score on their next possession at seven apiece. So then Livingston Academy gets the ball, and you know we've talked about special teams, and we could not move the ball, and the punt from the Livingston Academy punter doesn't go very far, gives... Uh, Gives Tullahoma a short field, and Livingston Academy is unable to keep the Tullahoma offense out of the end zone once again, and they they go on top by a score of 14-7, to and that's how the first quarter would end. Livingston Academy would be trailing 7-14. to You know, you talk about them, them scoring on the next drive. It was only 14 seconds later. Yeah. So it's like one play, and then they were able to score uh, their second touchdown, uh, they scored the first touchdown in five minutes and 27 seconds remaining in the first quarter. They scored the second one with a minute and five seconds remaining in the first quarter. So, quick strike offense. And now, now if you're Livingston, you're not feeling too good about what's going on in there. And you've got to have something go your way. Yeah, so uh, on, that, on, that, on that drive where Tullahoma scored their second touchdown to go up 14-7, to 
Livingston Academy thought they had a fumble recovery and tried to run it back for a touchdown, and they were flagged for delay of game for running it all the way into the end zone. And oh, then, oh, then later, later on in the game, the flip side happened. Tullahoma picks up a ball that they think is a fumble, and they run it to the end zone, and they flag them for delay of game for running it into the end zone. So these, these refs, there was a lot of penalties called, mostly on Tullahoma, but they were... That makes no sense because you want to finish the play. Now, if you don't hear a whistle, that's dumb. That's, I mean, that's dumb. I don't like that at all uh, for either team. But you want to finish the play because if somebody, if anybody throws a beanie down, somebody causes a fumble. The play, you know, it's a I think that's, uh, that's one thing on the radio uh, Craig, Craig mentioned was that, you know, in the NFL, these kids watch NFL games. Yeah. College, always college as well. You know, they finish the play and, yeah. you know, you don't. And you're taught to, to go to hear the whistle. Maybe they never heard a whistle. And you're running back, score it. And then, like I said, if there's a beanie thrown, um, you've scored the football. You've Absolutely. got a touchdown out there. Absolutely. And then I'm in big. So in the second quarter, uh, Livingston Academy uh, unable to move the ball. I believe that was their last play of the, of the first, first quarter, actually. They punted it back to Tullahoma. Tullahoma drives down the field, and their, their offense stalls out, and they try a 31-yard field goal, which is no good. So that gives Livingston Academy the ball back. And unable to move the ball on their next possession, Livingston Academy decides to punt. And the result of that punt is something that we actually talked about on our last episode. So let's listen to what we said last episode. And if we had just run it or kicked it out of the back of the end zone right there, you give them two points, and then you kick the ball off. And, and, and you may hold May hold and may not be able to score. So you're, that's a, that's a four-point swing right there. That, that's a huge, huge swing. You look in, in, in and in, you look for six, but it's one of those things that's fundamental. So in our last episode, we talked about that if there's a bad punt and the ball's near the other team's end zone, instead of recovering it inside the five-yard line, giving them a short field, go ahead and... Uh, Go ahead and kick that thing out kick of the back, of the, back of the end zone. So let's listen. Let's listen to what happened when Livingston Academy tries to punt this ball in the second quarter uh, against Tullahoma. And again, it'll be D's on the punt to football. The line of scrimmage is the 27-yard line. Livingston trailing 14-7 to kick it away. Snap is low. It's by D's. He's going to pick it up. He's going to think kick it. Out of the end zone, that's going to be a result in a safety. I don't think I've ever seen that. If that's one way of getting it out of the end zone, and so it will end up being a safety and make it 16-7, to 7, but the Livingston problems with their snaps on the punting are continuing. Yeah, I guess that's one way that you can just stand up for your team, got a little more room to play defense than that. So... I don't know if we can take credit for that. <laughs> uh, I made this comment before we started. I hope, I almost hope, I really do, and they, and they would kill us. Uh, that, and they're going to kill me for saying this if they hear it. I hope that Dee's listened to this podcast and didn't say a word to anybody else. And so that all happens, and the only thing here is Mike Johnson and Josh Scott in his, in inside his head saying, kick it through the back of the end zone, just kick it through the back of the end zone. He turns and just punches it through. I would love if, I'm sure they did talk about that at some point. But I would love to see Bruce Lamb's face when he kicks that thing through the back of the end zone. I would pay great money to see that. If he didn't know, I'm sure he did. That's something that's... I hope that listen to it. I'd love to take credit for that. So coaches Johnson and uh, yeah, Coach and Johnson, Scott. Coach Scott over here. Armchair, armchair hey, coaches. I'm ready, for, I'm ready to coach. Put me in. Let's go. 
That's that's hilarious. I mean, it's not that we end up giving up two points there, but it is a smart play. I mean, it really is because I mean the the I guess there's a lot of things that can go wrong there, and the worst one is that you either well, I guess two worst ones is that you don't pick up the ball, they pick it up and score. You block it, or do you get it blocked? Let's say you you try to punt and then you you know pick it up to kick it and you get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say they break his leg. Um, and then they pick it up and go score. You know, there's a lot of things where they just pick it up and go score versus that one. Hey, you got to play the, you know, you, you gave them two points instead of six, possibly yeah. seven points. Big, big and, and we're going to see as this game goes, that's going to matter, um, you know, for momentum and, and things like that. In the in the end game, it doesn't matter at all. But for what Livingston was able to do at Tullahoma, it's a big play. So uh, I kind of think they probably did, the coaches did talk about this because uh, uh I stopped Craig in mid-sentence there because he then goes into a little bit of football 101 talking about uh, something that probably a lot of people don't don't know about, but that after a safety, uh, after Livingston gives up the safety, they have to then kick the ball back to Tullahoma. And they can choose to either kick it as a kickoff or they can just drop back and punt it. Right. And either one of those, let's listen to what Craig talks about here. We were sitting over there getting ready to do the uh, Coach Bruce Lamb show the other night talking about the, some things that happened in the NFL that day on, on Sunday. And a free kick on a punt that the Green Bay Packers made last Sunday, you can recover a free kick on a punt. So if, if Williamson could actually onside this, if they decide to punt it, or if they decide to kick it here, you know, if it goes down there and Tullahoma doesn't recover it, a free kick, you can fall on that one, and it will be the possession of the kicking team. So Tullahoma, they've got to feel this wherever it's at. I just thought that was interesting last week. Never had seen anybody recover a free kick on a punt until Green Bay did it last weekend. So there you go. You know, you could... You can try to get the ball right back if you want. Yeah, to. so that you so that you kick it through the you know the back of the end zone and you got that safety, and then you just onside kick it and recover it. I mean, you give up two and you got the ball back again. I mean, and and I, I would think most teams don't practice onside kicks from a punting situation. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they practice how to how to recover an onside kick from a tee from kicking off Absolutely. the tee. But if you do it from a punt, that may be just. Completely surprise everybody. I, I I could probably be in the NFL if we just did onside puns. That'd be great because I can just kick them. You know, it's like a <laughs> kickball at that point. Anybody can do that. Yeah, but you're probably right. I mean, I I don't know, and I didn't even watch the Packers game leaving and things. Um, that that even happened. So I mean, props to Craig for knowing Craig Cantrell, and we want to get him over here. It's one of the most knowledgeable football sports minds, probably in our area, and to know that. Um, and to bring that up and, and put, maybe put that nugget inside Coach Lamb's head a little bit. Um, it's pretty neat. But definitely, I mean, that's, I don't, do, we, do we kick it onside there? Or do we kick, do we no, kick it no, they, they, they decided to kick it deep with T. Beatty off of a T instead of a punt. So, I mean, you know, that, that is what it is. But it's something to know in the future. I mean, if it happens again, big game kind of thing. That's a pretty good strategy. And so, you know, we talked about it. We just gave them up two points. And that saves us from getting a touchdown. But on the ensuing, on the ensuing uh, uh, drive for Tullahoma after the the free kick from the twenty yard line after the safety, Tullahoma is able to score, and they score on a thirty seven yard touchdown pass. So really, we gave them a total of nine points there. But you don't know that's going to happen. You don't know that's going to happen. Yeah, you, I mean, we're you kick it deep and play defense. You keep them out of the end zone. Absolutely. I mean, you're, again, what we talked about last week. Is you're you know playing for a stop now? If you just give up the two and you go score seven there, 
Uh, well, yeah, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's sixteen, fourteen at that point. So, I mean, I, I like that idea of kicking it out of the back of the end zone. If you're down there and you're the punter and you're anywhere inside the ten yard line and the ball goes over your head, get it out of the end zone. Throw it out. Give them two points. Don't Let give them seven points. Let it be, because I mean, it's, again, I mean, we saw how it affected the Macon County game. Um, you think if you know, just had we have done that in that game, we win that game. Yeah, I mean, and you don't know that it matters playoff wise about how it ends up, but I mean, you at least play at home. True, you know, True. big deal. So uh, that put after after Tullahoma scores a touchdown on a thirty-seven yard pass, they now go up by a score of twenty-three to seven uh, midway through the second quarter. So then Livingston Academy gets the ball back and puts together probably their best drive of the night, and they have a couple of fourth down plays in that drive, and here is the first of those fourth down plays. Fourth down, they will go for it at their own 42, trailing 23-7. to seven. Back to throw, McDonald looks deep out, got a man out there, reception made at the 45, down to the 40, down to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, and out of bounds at the 19-yard line, going to go Brody Johnston, a first national first down, a huge play when Livingston needed it to keep the drive alive. Now that crossing pattern's been there all night for this Livingston Academy offense. He goes for 39 yards on that one. 39 yards on fourth down. That's a big play. Brody's done a lot, and... Um, he's a Mr. Do-Everything kind of back for them. Plays a little H-back, uh, which is a tight end running back kind of combo, a fullback kind of combo. And, uh, you know, be a senior, big play on, a, on a, a, a drive that you really need. This is a point for Livingston uh, that could easily just lay down. Sure. You're down 20-37 on the road in the playoffs. You're a dog anyway. Um, you know, let's, let's just pack it in, tuck our tail between our legs and go home. And they just kept fighting. So Livingston County then has the ball deep in Tullahoma territory, and they get to another fourth down play. And this is the result of that play. Second fourth down in this drive with 53 seconds to play in the first half clock is running. Healy in the game as of the tailback on fourth down, back to throw McDonald. Timing pattern back to the end zone. Touchdown, Livingston Academy. The pass to the back part of the end zone to Wesley Smith and the Wildcats that convert twice on fourth down and pick up the touchdown. They get in that part of the field. You know they're looking to Wesley Smith. That is a touchdown again for... So, yeah, well, touchdown again, McDonald to Smith. We've I, said that a lot. I year. can see that play in my head right now. I mean, we're here two days later, and I can see that the ball, how it's dropped in and everything, because I've seen it so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that little fade in the back corner of the end zone. He throws it up towards the pylon. Wesley, well, I, I would like to see the percentages on how much they connect on that, because it's got to be in the 90s. They don't, they don't miss that route, that play a lot at all, and it's perfectly thrown every time, and I'm sure that one was too. And that's a big score. Huge score at the point of the game. Again, could have laid down and um, just said, hey, uh, we got the playoffs great for us. Now uh, we'll bring back a lot of people next year and let's make another run. But I uh, kept fighting there. Now you're down. Uh, yeah, uh, Beatty's extra point hit the upright. Yeah. And didn't go in. So, And, and that's a rare thing for him um, to miss a PAT. So uh, I think he finished 35-37 for the year. I believe that's correct. Yes, 35 out of 37. So, I mean, there's one, and he's missed one other one all year long. So, the kiddo was pretty good. 95%. Uh, there you go. 95%, and that's just one of those 5%ers there. 
Um, big, uh, big answer though for Louis Academy offense, and they keep them close. Yeah, you know, so that, that that happened as you heard there with less than a minute to go in the second quarter. So uh, that made the score thirteen to twenty three at halftime, as uh, Tullahoma just basically kneeled the ball down. They may have run a play, but they didn't really try to do anything with it with less than 30 seconds to go in the half. So that made it 13-23 to 23 in favor of Tullahoma at halftime. So, going back, starting off in the uh, third quarter, Livingston Academy gets the second half kickoff, unable to move the ball, and punts it away to Tullahoma, who actually returns the punt for a touchdown. But as I said earlier, there was a theme to tonight, and that theme was penalties against Tullahoma, and they were called for a block-in-the-back penalty uh, on that return. So that touchdown did not count, and Tullahoma takes their uh, first possession of the second half and unable to move the ball, and they have to punt it away to Livingston. And Livingston puts together a decent drive, Mostly that drive is created through penalties on Tullahoma. Several different penalties to sustain this drive. And Livingston Academy winds up with an excellent play to end the drive, and let's listen to that right now. McDonald takes the snap, straight drop to throw, looking, got a man wide open, that's going to be touchdown, Livingston Academy. They fake the deep out, they take it right down the middle of the field. school basketball game. Of course, uh, I would rather watch my son play than watch someone else's son play in the sport. So I was at, at that game, and I was unable to go to the game, and I didn't get to start listening to the game until uh, halftime. So I missed most of the first, uh, or all the first half. And, of course, they said on the radio, touchdown to Will Sims, and they never corrected themselves. So that's what I tweeted out, was that touchdown to Sims. But someone who must have been at the game says... Um, no, that was Matt Castle, actually. So it was actually Matt Castle who made that touchdown reception. Really? Yes. Because they've got the, I mean, and I'm not calling anybody out, but no means I hope it was. Uh, the, the stats on the game actually say it's Will Sims, too, I believe. I'm going to pull it up and make sure. But nonetheless, um, that would be Castle's first touchdown of the year. Let's see here. That's what they've got here as well. They've got Will Sims gaining 73 yards and a touchdown, longest yarded or longest catch being 36, which is what that touchdown was. So, well, I mean, I guess it's up late there, not sure. Obviously, I wasn't there either, uh, coming out of Atlanta, Georgia on Friday. Um, if it was Castle, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, no matter what. Because Aubrey Holler was, was not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a big play no matter what because, you know, it's it's at this point a twenty three to thirteen game. You need something going. Whoever I don't care who it was at this point, names don't matter to me just for us getting this stuff right at times. But that makes it twenty three nineteen right there. 
and, and you have to have it. Uh, and it keeps you alive, it gives you momentum, big play on the road. So if it's Will Sims or if it's Mike Castle, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, both, both seniors both put in a big part of their uh, time and effort into the program uh, for the last few years. Uh, big play right there, though, nonetheless. Yeah, with, with T. Beatty's extra point, that, that puts the game uh, a field goal. It's 23-20 to 20, uh, at this point. So you got to be thinking, hey, Livingston's you know, making a little comeback here. And I said last week, you know, we've got a chance. Just go in there and we've got to play. And I was looking back through some notes that I made, and, and nothing really uh, stood out but this. I, I put down that it has to be more than Will McDonald or uh, Wesley Smith. And so far what you've heard is that it has been more than Will McDonald or Wesley Smith. Yes, they connected for a touchdown, but you've heard Brody's name. You've heard Will's name, Matt Castle, Mitchell Ayers. It had to be more, and at this point in the game, it has been more. And that was the key. You can't just key on one in the playoffs. Um, you've got to be able to, to get other players involved, and, and other players have to step up to be involved. And so far at this point, Livingston have been able to do that. So at this point in the game, Tullahoma goes on what all I can call a walkabout. They just totally totally lose con, uh, control, totally lose uh, uh, concentration, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they had five straight penalties on their first drive of the game. And in the next possession that they get after Livingston's touchdown, they have another five straight penalty. It's crazy. Fair. That's crazy. And it's high school kids. And it's, I say kids in general. Um, it's unexpected big moments. Pressure to pressurize situations cause those kind of things to happen. But five straight penalties. Well, what it ended up being? Was it first and 40 again? I don't remember that. But they did have to punt the ball away. Goodness Back gracious. to Livingston. And then... Uh, to help Livingston out, they kept making bad, made penalty after penalty after penalty while Livingston had the ball. It's crazy. And after uh, after those penalties, a big uh, end around. Uh, Wesley Smith gets in on the rushing uh, score scorecard. There, he gets a, a end around and makes a big run to get the ball down uh, close enough for T. Beatty to try a thirty-yard field goal. And here is the result of that play. making a field goal there comes into the game one of six all year long it's a big play it's fourth and two at the 12 um you just outside looking in you might think fourth and two at the 12 Livingston might go for this right here um with the offense they do have but uh props to coach lamb and the staff put for trotting t out there t does a great job works on things every day and that's basically an extra point you know um you know able to put it through is his only second second make of the year he ends up two of seven um, so to have have confidence in the kiddo to go out there and just make that knock that through, and a huge play it ties the game 23-23. Again, you're on the road, playoffs. You've got a chance to win. You just have to finish. And the way making, uh, making the way Tullahoma had been had been playing recently, just 
you know, like I said, they went on a walkabout for the last 10, 15 yeah. minutes. Well, I mean, you, you outscored them in the third quarter 10 nothing. You know, so you had to feel really good about you. And, I, again, going back to last week's notes, I put you had to step up on D. You know, the defense is telling them their job, shut them out in that quarter, probably something that Tolohamon hadn't had happen a lot this year, if at all, to be shut out in a quarter, and uh, in a meaningful game at least. And so, you know, I mean, you've done your job. You're in the fourth, you got to the fourth quarter. It's close on the road, the playoffs. And uh, this is where names are made. But credit to Tullahoma, they were able to get out of whatever funk they had gotten into in the third quarter there. And they take the uh, possession after T. Beatty's uh, field goal, and they score a touchdown to go up by a score of 30-23. to 23. And Livingston Academy gets the ball back, and they put together a pretty decent drive, but they they give the ball back to uh, Tullahoma. They turn it over. <clears throat> Well, the first turnover of the game, yeah. right there in the fourth quarter, and that's just a that's just a backbreaker, a killer. It was because it's an interception, and you're driving, you've got a little momentum, and maybe answering right here, and you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, uh, you you had to expect that Tullahoma to kind of wake up at some point, and they did. Made a big play, uh, caught a break, and I've actually got the. It, it may not, it may be bad to have the last uh, clip as a a bad play for Livingston County, but I do have the. A clip of that turnover. We'll keep it real. They are in the physical formation. Back to throw. They're going to dump it out. The pass goes incomplete. They're ruling that as a lateral. It is being ruled as a lateral. It's been picked up by Tullahoma, and they are going to call that a lateral, and it will be Tullahoma kicking over the football. Oh, that's a huge play right there. To be honest with you, I couldn't see if he was yep. actually behind him or not, but he may have been. He was. I just saw it on the replay. So they saw it on the replay because they've got a big jumbotron at Tullahoma. I almost just said you'd love to have instant replay on stuff like that so you could go back and look. I mean, you can't challenge it anyway. Right. But, but they, that's crazy. They, they did talk about that during the game, that they've got a big new new, uh, new field. Speaking of uh, Livingston Academy, they said that Tullahoma had their stadium condemned in the last few years. Don't worry, ours is coming. Which is I'll go ahead and say it and make everybody mad and listen to this. That, that may have to happen to Livingston. It's going to happen within the next five years we're going to do something. So they've got them a, a brand new brand new stadium there. And also, uh, uh, they said that they had a Jumbotron and it got destroyed in a, a storm. So they just went and got them a bigger Jumbotron. You know what? I'm, I'm going to start making a list for a podcast. And we're going to list the, the things we want on our new stadium. And the Jumbotron is at the top right now. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Uh, a little better press box would be yeah, nice. Great, great, huge, uh, just like a press box area. And one where you can put the film crews on top and not have them, you know. Yeah, right in your ears yeah. all the time. And then Jumbo. I think I'm going to put Jumbotron at the top. That would be pretty fun to have it up there. <laughs> So, uh, Livingston Academy, again, that, you know, that's probably one of those, you know, just uh, quick outs to the outside and yeah. just ruled a, ruled a lateral instead of a forward pass. If that had been a forward pass, uh, we'd have kept the ball there and maybe who knows what would have happened. Yeah, and so correct me there, it's, it's not an interception, it's a fumble, uh, but still on the last big play, use it right back to them and good teams do what good teams, or they do what good teams do and that's score. Yeah, they uh, they move the ball down the field, and actually Livingston Academy holds on third down, and it's fourth down and two from around the 20 to 25-yard line. And, of course, they've got an excellent running back, last name of Corn, whose name was just uh, 
mentioned all night long. I think he had nearly 200 yards rushing. Of course, fourth down and two, you think everybody's going to be keying on that big running back. But quarterback keeper around the outside and keeps it for a touchdown. That was the last score of the game as Tullahoma goes on top. 37-23. to Livingston did get one last shot. They, they moved the ball down the field, but uh, the game ended on an uh, interception inside the five-yard line of Tullahoma. And Tullahoma lines up in the victory formation and wins the game. So that was the end of the 2018 football season for Livingston Academy as they fall to Tullahoma by a final score of 23-37. to 37. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one because you, you'd go out there and you, and you play well enough to win. I mean, you really do. You play well enough to win on the road, and that's just sometimes how it happens. I mean, we've seen this before um, in these close games and, and a break here or there, and we touched on last week that we were a couple drives away from being region champion. Not that I guess it really matters because the region went 0-4. Um, but, I mean, props to the kiddos for going in there and, and taking care of what they, what they need to have taken care of business. Uh, you're down Aubrey Hollers is a big weapon on both sides of the ball. Um, we didn't. We were only ran for 24 yards all night, and, and uh, it, was, it was what the net yardage was. But Will goes 17 to 33 for 215 yards, two touchdowns, and, and one interception there at the end. Um, you know, Brody Johnson has 78 yards receiving. Uh, if it is Will Sims, Will ends up with 73 yards receiving and a touchdown. If it's Matt Castle, it's 36 yards and a touchdown. Then um, Wesley has the 39-yard uh, total with the touchdown. Uh, Raven Carpenter with that interception. And then, of course, like I said, T. Beatty, uh, a, a guy that we don't get to talk about a lot because, I mean, you just you don't really think about kickers. I'm wearing a shirt right now that says, For the Brand with kickers all over it. <laughs> and you don't think about them until you need them. Um, but has a 30-yard field goal. Uh, goes two for three from, you know, for the point after attempts. And, uh, you know, Livingston rolls out 239 yards offensively. But, I mean, it, you touched on the good running back, great running back. Uh, Tullahoma runs for 215 yards, three touchdowns on the night on the ground. Um, and through the air, um, you know, I didn't really pay attention much to the game um, until late on the radio. But they went 9-16 through the air for 186 yards and two touchdowns there. Uh, so, well, you know, very well-balanced attack there. Ended up with 401 total yards. Of course, they recovered the fumble and the um, – they have the interception there. And how do you, you know, you think about how do you win committing that many penalties and putting yourself in any bad spots, but 401 yards usually do it. Well, you know, they, they did say at one point, I don't know how official Roger and Craig stuff was, but I think they said 22 penalties. And, and that, that's remarkable. And, again, remarkable that, they, that you win by two touchdowns, you know, rolling out 22 penalties. Uh, but, again, 401 yards will do that. You know, you're able to, you know, put in five touchdowns. That'll mask some of that stuff. You'd have to think as a Tullahoma staff, and that's not what we're here to do. But if you're Tullahoma, you're kind of worried going to the next round in Marshall County, a region opponent. Um, you know that you committed 22 penalties in your first round playoff game. Um, but overall, good season for Livingston Academy. I mean, the record's not going to say that. Five and six overall, two and two, uh, region three, four A. That's we touched. We talked about this. Uh, that's eight out of the last ten years in the playoffs. A really good run for Livingston Academy uh, football. 
the last 10 years, missed the playoffs in 2013 and 2016, um, which was Will McDonald's freshman year. Um, there was a lot of injuries that year. But the uh, season record fall of 20 and 21 all time in TWSAA playoffs. And uh, again, we've had a, I mean, that's 40, 41 playoff games. That's, that's pretty good. You've won almost half of them, so. Yeah. And you've That's, had a, you've, I mean, you, it's easy to sit back as a as a fan or, or whatnot, a casual fan of high school athletics, especially at, at Livingston Academy, and knock knock kids, knock knock teams, you know, for not being able to do this or this or this. But uh, again, eight of the last ten years you're in the playoffs, and that's um, that's impressive. Uh, you, that, that's almost every that is every senior class mm-hmm. getting in the playoffs. That's uh, that's a great run. Yeah, so uh, I think that'll do it for this segment of the Hog Eye Sports Show. And we'll be right back to talk about uh, the Livingston Academy football season uh, overall right after this. Thank you for listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show. Did you know that Livingston Academy has three official colors? Royal blue, white, and gold. The gold was added after Livingston and Rickman High Schools were consolidated in the 1980s. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back to talk about and wrap up the Livingston Academy uh, football season for 2018. And, of course, Livingston Academy ended with a five wins and six losses overall, which is only the third losing record for this decade. Uh, which has all been uh, Bruce Lamb's decade. So he's had a, overall this decade, relatively relatively good uh, good campaigns, most of them winning records. Two different years, they've won 11, 11 games in the uh, 2010s decade, which is the most wins ever by a Livingston Academy football team. So he's had some really, really good teams. And, of course, there's been a couple of, a couple of losing records thrown in there. There's a 2-8 and eight year in 2016. Three and seven year in 2013, but overall this decade's been 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 really well. That uh, that 16 season, Will McDonald's freshman year, remember that season well. Uh, just a lot of injuries. We've Logan Clark was a senior that year. Uh, Logan now at University of Tennessee. Um, Whatever's those guys. A lot of talent, just a lot of injuries. Uh, kind of derailed that season. But you talk about the decade of Bruce. I mean, um, I, I, back. He's started in 08, correct? So, yes. Um, eight of the last ten years, you get to the playoffs. Uh, that's Bruce Lamb. That's credit to him and, and what he's been able to do over there, sustain and um, sustain uh, the competitiveness over there and uh, have a great great head coaching career so far. So, in the history of Livingston Academy football, uh, of course, we don't have the records from every single year. We've had over 100 years of of football, but we don't have all those records from back in the 15, 16, 17, 1900s, 1915, 1916. We know we had a football season, but we don't know the records. But overall, of the records we do know, um, Livingston Academy has had 57 winning seasons where their record was at least 500 or better, and only 32 seasons where the record was under 500. So, pretty good football time. You didn't. I remember growing up, though. Just I guess the way my household was, we were a basketball family um, up until I guess 
2002 area, something like that. And um, you didn't really think about Lewis County football. And now, I mean, and not that it's changed, but the state championship in 05 got everybody really excited, and uh, football's been really relevant for a good, I guess now 18 years at least. And, of course, it was before then. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to slight anybody. Uh, great players. I just think that everybody with the run, especially women's basketball, was on for a long time. Um, you know, I guess you thought of Livingston as, and I guess on the state level, everybody thought it was a basketball school. But. So, something I've always thought about and compared Livingston Academy to, like to talk about at SEC. Alabama's a big football school, yeah. but not that big in basketball. I've always thought that about like Smith County. Great football, great football school, but not really been uh, a, a great basketball right. school. Then you look at uh, Kentucky is a big basketball school, not really good at football. Um, so you might say Upperman, you know, in, in that instance where they've they've been a little bit better basketball school than they have been a football school. But but Livingston to me has always been kind of like University of Tennessee, good in both. Yeah, good at both football and basketball over a long period of time. Right. Yeah. So. That's, that's a fair comparison, definitely. I mean, it's. Um, had some again. I mean, uh, it's easy to if you're just a casual fan to criticize, but when you actually take these stats and take the record books and and actually examine them, um, to to have a football team over the last let's say thirty years at least uh, be as competitive and uh, as um, a perennial power in their district region on the state level, a lot of quarterfinal runs there. Um, you know, state championship thrown in there. Um, you know, a bunch of region titles. That's uh, we used to be the Upperman, the Upperman Bowl, Tobacco Bowl, all those things. Uh, you won those things. So, I mean, that's thirty years of really good football, and, and Coach Land just doing his job to keep adding to it. How many schools in the Upper Cumberland have won a state football championship? Us. That's about it. That's all I can think of that's, off the top of my head. And I believe it is it. That's about it. So, hey, that's, that's something we can always hang our hats on right there. So, hist- historically, Livingston Academy has been, you know, a uh, powerhouse football team in the Upper Cumberland. So, let's talk about some stats from uh, the 2018 uh, football season. What, what are some stats that really, really jump out at you there, Josh? We'll start at the top because uh, it's easy, and, and congratulations to him. Will McDonald throws for 2,283 yards this season, 25 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Um, really, really good year. Um, that's he's now second career or second in career passing passing yards. That trails his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Danny McCoy. Um, don't know the total of, of Coach McCoy's, uh, but you uh, got to figure that Will is definitely within striking distance. Um, yeah, on that list of uh, career passing yards, here's here's his company, Danny McCoy. Grant Swallows, Wilson Cates, Tom Wendell, and Brock McCoy. So you're saying he's had a good career. <laughs> he's up there with the best of them. I mean, no you, and you think about that. I mean, those guys, all those guys, when they're on the play college football, um, you would hope, and, and if he wants to, and that's his goal, that Will's going to add his name to that list as well. Um, but definitely a great uh, season for that. He also is tied with Brock McCoy. Uh, for uh, for second career touchdown passes, uh, assuming game one next year he's going to throw one and break that tie, but he is only ten away from again offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Danny McCoy uh, for first all time. 
And he had 25 this year, so the yeah. chances are pretty good that he'll break that. you got to think a healthy Will McDonald next year breaks that record. But a, a record he's got on all on his own, uh, he did set the single-season passing record, uh, passing yardage record this year um, with 2,283 yards. So, again, I mean, you look at next year's team, we'll get in there at the end of this. Um, going to be returning a lot of those skill players, a lot of players in general. So you got to figure a healthy Will McDonald breaks those records yeah, next if, year. If he even gets half of that yardage, he sets the career yardage total. It's not going to be anybody else out there playing quarterback. Right, yeah. This year, look, looking at the stats here, there was only, besides Will McDonald, there was only three other passing attempts by anybody else on the team. So, like I said, as long as he stays healthy, which in football you never know. You never know. You're always one play away. And uh, but you know Will's been a uh, I say two and a half year starter uh, back in that sixteen season um, started a few games for him as a freshman but it was very limited back then we ran the ball a lot uh, we really uh, Will's come a long way he used to be you looked at him and he if he looked like he was one hit away from turning to dust so I mean come a long way he's worked hard and uh, you know got to got to figure next year it's going to be a big year for Will and the Livingston Academy offense. Uh, four-year starter at quarterback, a lot of four-year starters at skill positions. Um, Destin looked to be destined for great things next year. Um, rushing, you had Brody Johnson. Brody uh, had had a really great year. A senior um, goes for 229 yards on the ground from that H-back position. Um, Nate Neely goes for 374 yards and three touchdowns as, I guess, the backup slash scat back. Leavis Academy offense. And then senior Mitchell Ayers goes for 640 yards and seven touchdowns. Leavis Academy rushes for 11 total touchdowns on the year. Will McDonald added one as well. Um, receiving, uh, again, Brody Johnson, 268 yards, two touchdowns from that H-back position. Lined him up a lot in the slot, kind of at the, at the tight end a little bit as well. Uh, was able to, to do some great things. So Brody has 268 through the air. 229 on the ground. Uh, Mitchell Ayers goes for 168 yards, no scores. Um, Aubrey Hollers, a, a guy who missed the Tullahoma game, big, big, uh, big player for the offense. 336 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Will Sims, senior, 463 yards, four touchdowns for Will. Really good year offensively for Will Sims, and then they're led in the receiving core by a really good player. Wesley Smith, 985 yards receiving, 17 touchdowns. We don't know because they don't really keep up with that, um, but that's got to be the record, if not really close, 17 total uh, receiving touchdowns for the 2018 season. Um, yeah, and 15 yards away from becoming the third ever uh, Livingston Academy receiver with 1,000 yards. He would have he joined Matt Hauser and Matt Eldridge as the third ever receiver with 1,000 yards, came up 15 yards short. Yeah, but it sets the single game record uh, at Westmoreland earlier in the year with 246 yards receiving. Um, so, you know, a, a good quarter of that yardage came in one game. Um, but big year for Wesley. And you look at those guys right there, and everybody but Brody and Will come back. Well, uh, and Mitchell, Sims. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Brody Sims and... Uh, Brody Will and uh, Mitchell. And Mitchell, yeah. But you, you're going to replace those guys. You had some guys here and there. You know, we talked about um, Carpenter. Raven Carpenter, um, an athletic guy. 
you've got a lot of guys that are going to be hit, you know, injuries. Um, you got to figure something like Briar Mosley is going to be in there somewhere. Um, guys that they uh, had to miss time with injury and weren't able to, to maximize potential with this year. But offensively, really good year. Uh, you roll up 3,545 yards, and that's a, that's a pretty good year offensively. Defensively, um, and you've got better defensive stats on, on this these guys. I'm just going to go over some highlights that I pulled out. Uh, Brody Johnson leads the Livingston Academy defense in tackles this year with 56. Also has an interception. Um, will be Aubrey Hollers has two interceptions on the year. Will Sims, again, both sides of the ball. Three interceptions. That's tied for the lead on the season in uh, interceptions. Will Sims, senior, congratulations to him. Wesley Smith catches everything. Two interceptions on the defensive side. Raven Carpenter, I'm telling you, watch that name. It's a sophomore. Next year's going to make a lot of big plays. Also tied for the lead with Will Sims with three interceptions on the year. And then a guy that we don't get to talk about a lot, but, but he's a, around the ball, makes a lot of makes a lot of plays, and you've got the, probably the tackle number in front of you there. But Pearson Coleman has an interception, leads the team with two fumble recoveries and scores. He scores a touchdown um, against Westmoreland, a big big game for Livingston uh, a few weeks back. Um, tackle numbers got to be up to 20, 23 tackles. 23 tackles from a safety position. Uh, really a big leader. That's a senior back there. Getting that defensive backfield set, uh, Lewis and Cammy's going to miss a player like him. Uh, defensive line, you've got those numbers. I know that uh, we had a couple guys with interceptions. I think we had uh, Jake Oliver and Dusty Parrish both had an interception. Yes, they did. Uh, and uh, sacks, sacks are on here as well. Looks like uh, Weston Klaus had two sacks this year. Uh, uh, Reader and uh, Spears had two sacks. And then is Cole Spears a senior? No, I don't that's a so. big, big return right there. Him and uh, Austin Reed are both big, big, big return. We got Weston Klaus. You you play him at that little nose position, and nobody blocks him. Like, I don't know if they can't get a hand on him because he's so little, but really good for that defensive line for Livingston County. And you, when he runs out there, you're, you, it's almost like you're you know praying he doesn't get hurt. Right. But he just plays hard. Freshman, right? Yes, he is he's a freshman. freshman. Yeah. I mean, he's got a good little career ahead of him. Also, Cantrell and Oliver each had a sack this year. Yeah. Um, so, congratulations to those guys. I mean, it's a good year. I mean, you, they allow 2,897 yards. Um, you know, so you wish that was down a little bit. But uh, I talked about this last week. Livingston ends up uh, scoring 24.4 points per game and allowing only not or well, I say only – it went up after total home, but allowing 19.2 points per game. So, I mean, it's an average year defensively, really good year offensively. Um, but a team that's going to lose some some guys at key positions uh, for 2019, but going to return a bulk. Yeah, of large those. majority of the team will be returning. We'll lose, you know, some important players, you know, Brody Johnson, Mitchell Ayers. Uh, Pearson Coleman. Um, guys like that, Will Sims. I mean, those that, those four. There's only nine of them, and I know I'm missing. You got you Oliver, got, Jake uh, Oliver, Jake Oliver. You've got um, Cantrell. Cantrell. Yes. I mean, so there's there's those six kids right there. And you know, Matt Castle has a score the other night. There's you know seven. I'm sure. I'm, and I know I'm missing two. I'm not meaning to at all. But those are seven kids that the name pops in my head real quick. But you've got a lot of guys there 
coming back as well. You're going to return Wesley Smith. You're going to return Aubrey Hollers. You're going to return Nate Neely. Obviously, we have Will McDonald back there still. And then you add in Nate Carwell, a kiddo that started the middle linebacker mm -hmm. and was hurt. Then you add in uh, Briar Mosley. Uh, these defensive linemen you, you get coming back, Cole Spears, Austin Reeder, Weston Klaus. Um, you've got a really good potential for 2019 to be a really good year. Um, touched on Bruce, he's 71 and 54 all time. Um, that's 10 wins. He's 10 wins away from tying coach Matt Eldridge for the most wins all time. Um, you know, you think, oh, that's not going to happen, and but – yeah, it yeah, can. You, you go eight and two, nine and one in the regular season. Yep. You win a, a playoff game or two, and right there you go. And you yeah. look around at, at the schedule next year and every game. I mean, you're, that's why I say next year could be a really big year. You go eight and two last year. You're two drives away, and I said this a lot. You're two drives, maybe three drives away from probably being seven and three, maybe eight and two this year. Um, so you. Look at next year's schedule. Same batch of people you're adding in Clay, um, taking away White County. That kind of cancels each other out. But all the games on that schedule are very winnable. Uh, you don't expect, and I say you don't expect. Don't know what they have come back, but you could, you kind of got to figure that Upperman's not going to be undefeated next year in regular season. You know, of course they won Friday night, eleven and zero. But you don't expect that. Uh, you know, you got to figure you're going to be right there with Cookville again. All these things. Uh, he could be. He could take that wins record easily next year. Um, again, we touched on um, Will being right there with Coach McCoy, uh for career career records. There, you got to figure a healthy Will's going to get that. Um, you know, Wesley Smith, fifteen yards away this year. You got to you got to figure he's going to get back and you know and start working on the craft and, and and try and get that thousand yard maybe even that record next year thousand thirty two thousand thirty two yeah. thousand thirty two so I mean, he's you know fifty um, fifty yards yeah forty eight yards away from the record this year you know, that gives these guys something to work for mm -hmm. something to work toward and obviously the ultimate goal is state championship team I and mean, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying 2019 is a state championship season by any means but to look at what you've got coming back. And uh, what they've been able to do, and how talented we are, uh, you got you got to think that maybe next year might be a really good year to make a playoff run, a deep playoff run. Yes, uh, some other uh, stats here for re returning players. Uh, Neely, he was the main kickoff return specialist. He had 17 kickoff returns for 311 yards. Uh, longest kickoff return of the year was 39 yards. He's coming back. Uh, the re punt returner will have to have a new punt returner next year. That was that was basically all Will Sims. Um, so uh, that, you get your punter back next year, Joseph Dees, who, like you say, improved as the year went on. And he also can kick it out of the back of it. <laughs> he knows how to do no, that now. Knows it now. Uh, the kicker's coming back, T. Beatty. 35 or 37 on extra point tries. And you got to, I mean, 2 or 7 on field goals. Not really, you say he's not needed. He, he, he wasn't at some points, but... Um, he, he had let's talk. T. Beatty had forty eight kickoffs this year. After you know, starting games, starting half times, and after touchdowns or uh, field goals, only one of them went out of bounds. That's crazy. And he didn't have a, the return yards on on those as well. I don't know if we have that at all, but uh, didn't allow many returns. Uh, when he kicks it, it goes to the back of the end zone for a touchback usually, or anything ends up for a touchback usually. Eight um, eight touchbacks out of forty eight so, kickoffs. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty effective. Um, 
You know, it's, it always sets the defense up in a really good spot. Um, I've said this a lot. Uh, you don't really love a kicker till you need one. And Livingston's got a, a guy in D's who, you know, this is first year punting, got better all year long. You got to figure he's going to get a lot better at his craft. And then again, T. Bailey's going to get back in there, go to work. He's got a good leg, you know, obviously on the kickoffs. And, uh, you know, he puts through a 30 yard the other night. Those aren't easy. I oh, mean, gosh, if, you, no. if you think they're easy, go out there, grab your tee, and kick one through. You know, that was the only, only thing that uh, T. Beatty probably didn't improve on this year was uh, field goals. Last year, he tied the season record for most field goals in a season with six. Yeah. Uh, and you think a lot of that may be kind of an expectation of, you know, maybe a little bit of pressure here and there. But um, also, too, is, is, is momentum and success. And they're not really, you know, they're calling for seven this year. Um, that's not a lot of time having to go out there and kick field goals in, in games. Um, you know, he he was two out of seven on uh, field goals this year, so uh, you know didn't have as good of a year this year. But you know, hey, maybe it was a sophomore slump. You know, his right. second season slump, and hey, come out firing from all cylinders next year. Uh, and, you know, he can and he can kick a long way. So I don't know that whole family, and that he's gonna. I guarantee you those two older brothers probably giving him crap all year long for being two, now being two of seven. So he's probably going to get tired of hearing about that and go out there and get to work. And I'm, I don't doubt that a bit. Uh, you, again, you look at next year, Livingston Academy, really good uh, group coming back. Um, one of the better groups that they've had um, in returning players in the while. Uh, you got to think back to the, the Brock McCoy day, the Ronnie Lander and uh, Creed and those guys has uh, the last big group like this, and you may even throw in uh, Dylan Linder's group. Uh, one more thing about uh, T. Beatty, I just looked at the uh, all-time records. He has the longest field goal in Livingston Academy history, 42 yards. Got a leg. I mean, the leg's not the problem. It's the accuracy, and he's, I think that yeah, kickers are mental. Um, I, and no, it's not a bad thing. You're not making fun of anybody like that. Just a mental game. It's you versus the ball every time. And you gotta, you gotta, you don't think about the elements at the time. The wind's blowing, the field's wet, the field's soft, field hard, whatever it is. A lot of things go into kicking a football. I couldn't do it, so props to him. I mean, for having the success he's had. Um, but you, that's that's impressive in itself. Um, what about some records that are, are anything that uh, any records stand out to you there? Well, um, there's some records set this year. Let's recap them real quick. Most passing touchdowns in a single game. Will McDonald versus Westmoreland had five touchdown passes, which he tied himself versus Sequoia in 2016 and Danny McCoyne versus York in 1981. Most passing touchdowns in a game. Can he do it again or even break that record next year is the next question. I don't think no, – I'll say it, yeah, because I like Coach McCoy. Coach McCoy ain't going to let him break his own record. <laughs> and Coach McCoy's prideful. He's not going to let him get to six. That, um, unless it's needed. Now I'm going to say that. If it's, if it's 42 to 40 – Two or whatever it is, however that adds up, and he needs to throw one. Yeah. So um, most uh, most passing yards in a season, Will McDonald set that this year with two thousand two hundred eighty three passing yards. He could do that again next year, have another two thousand yard season. Broke his own record there. He could. He could. Yeah. Um, and most receiving touchdowns, we think Wesley Smith probably has that record at seventeen, but not not certain. It would have to be a Danny McCoy offense. I mean, you think Brock maybe. Um, I'm trying to think in my head. It was Brock's targets. You have people like um, well, it, it, my guess would be it would be either Matt Eldridge or Matt Hauser. 
you know, they, they were big receivers. Yeah, I forgot about Grant, Grant and Matt and were great together. So that would, I, would, I, would, I don't have their numbers, and it wasn't in the, the, the records that I saw. If so. Matt listens to this or you talk to him, ask him if he knows. I mean, that would be – Matt would be my guess is to have a record like that if there is one, and Wesley doesn't have. Um, so another record that was set this year, Wesley Smith versus Westmoreland. Most receiving yards in a single game, 246 on nine receptions, which is not the most receptions in a game. 12 is the most receptions in a single game, which was set by Matt Swallows in 1992. Um, I would say 246, that ain't going to happen again. That's that's a heck of a game yeah. right there. That's, that's, that's when you don't cover somebody. I mean, you look at NFL records, and it's like 220-something, 230-something, so... There are there are a few records uh, on the Livingston Academy football record list that I think will never be broken, and the main reason they won't be broken is the running clock in the second half. So when you get up big on a team, you know the game goes by much faster. Right. So you you just can't amass those huge 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 numbers. So like most most passing yards in a game, Danny McCoy holds that record with 446 versus York. That's a heck of a game that. Unless the other team's scoring, uh, you know, at will, quick yeah, as it can be, yeah. it'd just be hard for you to amass that many uh, passing yards. Well, I hope Will has 446 against York next year. <laughs> Maybe he can get 447. Yeah, he might need it. That's true. Um, another one that I don't think could ever be broken again is two of them held by Jack Keesling, and that is most rushing touchdowns in a game with nine Nine that's rushing like touchdowns. I that one. That's crazy. What year was that? 1948 yeah, versus Gordonsville. He also rushed for 477 yards in that game. Same game? Same game. You yes. think he was the MVP of that game? He he was the MVP of the, the whole uh, state of Tennessee <laughs> that game. That's crazy. Nine touchdowns in a game. Yes. And he held that rushing yardage record up until the late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, it was recently broken. Was that the one broken by Creed? No, this was broken by somebody from statewide. That was a statewide record like, for most, most rushing yards in a, game, in a single oh game. Goodness. Who broke? I don't remember. That's probably like a Jalen Hurd kind Some, of thing. Somebody beach, like, something like that. Yeah. Corn Elder at Innsworth. Wow, that's, uh, whew, that's a lot of yards. That was a game, though. Nobody threw the ball forward. At, you know, really yeah, yeah, that was back when it was there. No forward pass. Goodness gracious. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. I started to say, if he's yes. not, so yes. I better put him in quick. thought he was. Yeah. That's impressive. 409 touchdowns. That's, that, that's some records that would be very difficult to break. Could you imagine social media in the day's day and time oh. if, you, if a player scored nine touchdowns? Yeah, that's... There would be so many highlights of him. As that like he'd be the number one trend on, trend on Twitter for two or three days, scoring nine touchdowns at any level. Absolutely, that's, that's nuts. That's of course, uh, T. Beatty has a chance to uh, tie or break the record that he holds with Jay Hewitt and Eli Sadler for most field goals in a season with six. You know, is there a career record there? I don't. Uh, I, don't I don't have that. No, I've got his season record, hmm. and then most extra points in a season, sixty-three. If we play uh, as well on offense as we could next year, we could hold hold him to that record as well. He could have a chance to get that one. Wow. Emory Duke holds that record most. Uh, most extra points made. Most extra points. Sixty three. 
That was the Brock McCoy offense. That was nuts. That's nuts. Season three extra points. You look back on that team right there, and that's arguably one of the better teams to ever play here. And I uh, made a quarterfinal run. I remember that. But CC3 extra point. That's a lot of touchdowns accounted for. And to think that you had as good of an offensive season this year as you feel like you had, and and uh, you don't get you get half of those. Yeah, well, thirty one of those touchdowns that year were scored by Dylan Linder. That helped too. Oh yeah, that does help. Because <laughs> he holds that record with most uh, most points scored in a single season with one hundred eighty six total points scored. That was a that was a big that was a year he broke Creed's record, I believe, single game or single season. Yes. That was a nutty year for Lincoln County Athletics. Every time you handed Dylan the ball that year, he thought he was going to score no matter what. Goodness gracious. Uh, some defensive records that could be, you know, you never know. Uh, most interceptions in a single game. There are seven different players who have had three interceptions in a single game. Most recently, Jake Hewitt in 2010 with three interceptions in a single game. So, Big game, you know, Raven Carpenter back there. Yeah, I uh, mean, you never know. Yeah, back there like Raven Carpenter. Wesley Smith catches everything. Aubrey Hollers. I would I would think that it will be Aubrey Hollers or Raven Carpenter back there to break that one if somebody's going to break it. Most interceptions in a season with nine. Uh, most recently, there's four different players that hold that. Most recently, Peter Hollers in 2014. Nine interceptions in a single season. That's, just, that's a tie with Jack Hewitt, too. Uh, um, well, the four I've got listed, Robert Huddleston in 74, William McCormick 76, Matt Swallows 91, nine in a single know. season. I thought Jake had nine in a single season one year. He may have. I don't have it listed no, if he did. did. I, I went to Livingston Academy. I can't count. <laughs> uh, tackles. It'd be tough. The Joey Creekbaum holds the uh, career. career and the season records in tackles. Single season in 2013, 161 tackles. Who was the top tackler this year? It was Brody, Brody 50, Johnson, 56. Yeah, so yeah. That's 161's a lot. And then in his entire career, Creekbaum leads the Livingston Academy with 411 total tackles. That's a lot of tackles. Now, most tackles in a single game. Andy Auberson, 1994, 26 tackles in one game. That's being very busy on defense. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you you wonder sometimes if that's a bad job. <laughs> I don't know. Like if it's the same, like that your defense is bad, that you're always there. Or you can make stats say whatever you want yeah, to say. You can, you can say whatever you want to. <laughs> numbers numbers are deceiving sometimes. That's a great record though. Twenty six tackles in a game. But yeah, I'll after that one. So I guess that'll wrap up uh, this segment, and that'll wrap up the twenty eighteen Livingston Academy football season. As they finish their season with a final record of five wins and six losses. And we'll be back right after this. The hosts are taking a short break to prepare for the next segment. Here's some cool elevator music while you wait. show for our final segment of this episode and now that football season has come to a close we're going to turn our attention to Livingston Academy basketball and we'll also try to have us a few uh, guest 
speakers or guests on the show, uh, some big names. We're going to have, hopefully in the future, people like Craig Cantrell, uh, Danny McCoyne, and just some other former uh, basketball or football players that you may or may not remember from Livingston Academy history. Uh, so that, that's something we look forward to, you know, interviewing those guys and getting some, some stories, some inside information about what it was like when they was uh, playing for Livingston Academy. And, uh, you know, as, as I said, we're going to transition to basketball here. First basketball game of the season is not that far away. Yeah, Thursday, November 15th. It's a home game. You better get to that one because there's not a lot of home games on the schedule. Uh, they play Jackson County in a Hall of Fame game. So a game that doesn't really count towards your overall season record, but a really really just a dress rehearsal. You know, it's like your third preseason, fourth preseason, preseason game in uh, NFL football. Now, this is the first time we've played Jackson County in several years. Well... Uh, they they've not been on the schedule the last few years, and you know you don't understand really why because that used to be a hardcore rivalry in the nineties yeah, and early two thousands. It was at one time a district rivalry. Yeah, back in the early two thousands. I was on the staff in two thousand and ten. Yeah, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven at Livingston Academy, and that's the last time I can remember playing them. And the only reason I remember that is because J C Coe hits a game winner as a freshman in the left corner. Um, I, I believe they may have just stayed away from her. She's pretty good. Um, but uh, glad to see them back on the schedule. That's You want to see games like that. I don't care who's yeah, you want talent your local rivals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you get them on Thursday, November 15th. It's a home game tip-off set for 6 o'clock. Um, you follow that up with a Saturday uh, affair with Cook, at Cookville High School. Um, looking at the schedule, it says that we'll play Dixon County boys and girls. Uh, boys will tip at two o'clock. Girls immediately afterwards, and then you play. Uh, boys play NBA Montgomery Bell Academy at five o'clock, and then the I guess the main event. And I've got uh, really good friends at Cookville High School, uh, coaching the girls side there. Uh, the main event is going to be Cookville High School versus Livingston Academy at eight o'clock on Saturday night, November seventeenth. Um, so good, good game right there. Um, you would think. Again, another local rivalry um, that kind of went away for a little while. There's a little backstory there. May get into that one day. A uh, little inside information there. Uh, but glad to see Kugel back on the schedule. Uh, and then uh, after that, the first official game of the year, November the 20th, a new team on the schedule this year. Warren County. And that game will be in McMinnville on November the 20th. So starting off the first official game of the season away to Warren County High School. First time we've played them in a, a long, long time, time, if ever. Yes. Um, especially in the regular season. But you just as well as get a motel room down there or something. There's not much down there. But just go stay in Murfreesboro because then that weekend you play in the Cannon County Thanksgiving Classic. And if you've ever been up to Cannon County, you'll remember it because it's one of the worst drives from Livingston to an area. Probably in district play. I think they're still, yeah, they're still in district play. No, they're not in district. Yeah, yeah yes, yes. Didn't have a start here down the list. But anyway, one of the worst drives ever. So just as well stay down there. Uh, have Thanksgiving in Murfreesboro because you're going you're gonna to hate going down there on Friday and Saturday. But uh, look, it's always a really good uh, Thanksgiving tournament they have. I think it's the Mitch, Mitch Wilson Classic or something like that. That's what his name is. 
Um, always, always, always a very competitive tournament, and uh, good to see Livingston County get into that this year. The first official home game of the year will be on November 27th versus local rival Pickett County. And that should be a really good contest. Pickett County always has excellent basketball teams. Uh, that's a great team to play, no matter who you know, who you want to to uh, match up against. Anybody from the state can come have a good game against Pickett County. Yeah, absolutely. Pickett County, great program. Got great friends. I feel like I've got great friends everywhere in this area. Coached this game a long time, and that's a that's a good rivalry. Uh, a good, always a home and home. And I don't think that one's ever going to go away. Uh, back in the '80s and '90s. Probably one of the best rivalries in the state, especially county to county. Then you follow that. Well, well, we start the district district season after that. We, we do lose uh, Clark Range off the schedule this year. No Clark Range. I don't understand that one just because Clark Range isn't as strong as they've been in years past. You would think maybe that maybe that plays into that. I don't know. Um, but a Clark Range team that I mean perennial power, but not as good. But I mean, I think I'd rather, I'll just say it, I'd rather play Clark Range than Upperman, two-time defending state champions. And that's what how you open up the um, district, district schedule. November 30th, Friday, November 30th, I'm going to be doing some Facebook Live with Over the County News at home versus Upperman. Um, uh, you people that voted on Twitter, there's your game. It's at home. <laughs> Better have a big pig pen that night. Yeah, better be a big pig pen, and there will be, I guarantee you. There's a lot of hatred there. And I say hatred's a friendly hatred, but it's hatred nonetheless. And it's a t it's an opportunity, for especially for the girls, um, early on to pick up a win against a team that's, uh, again, back-to-back -back defending state champions. Uh, Coach Nick Williams and uh, her team lost one of the best players to probably ever play in District 8. Um and Akira Levy, and uh, she's gone out in Missouri. Uh, oh, they've got her sister now. Right? And they've got her sister. Hey, she can play. Um, boy, you just uh, hate hate them, right? and that's nothing against their coaching staff or kids, just government in general. So let's list the uh, uh, other members of District Seven AA. We've got, of course, Livingston Academy, Upperman, DeKalb County, Smith County, Macon County, Watertown, York, and. Cannon County. Those are all of the members of District 7 AA this year. Same as last year. Uh, of course, a couple of years ago, we switched uh, switched out Central Magnet, Murfreesboro Central Magnet for Watertown. And so that's the same same district as it was last year. Yeah. And then you follow those, that open game with a uh, home game on December 4th in DeKalb County. You go to uh, Smith County this year. Smith County got Coach Greg Bibb down there now, uh, come out of a little, I guess, quote-unquote retirement. I had Coach Bibb, uh, I, people always say assistant, I say co-head coach with me at Allen's. Uh, great basketball mind, you know he's going to do great things at Smith County uh, in year one of the program, uh, but that's at December 7th at Smith County. Then you would, my, my pick to win this district is Macon County. December 11th on the road, you visit Macon County. Is that for girls or boys? Oh, girls, big time. Uh, probably, uh, they may be the best team in the state. I mean, they go, they return all but, I think, one or two players off the state cham or state championship runner-up team last year, too. Upperman. Mm. Um, you know, Coach Larry White been doing it a long time. Um, you gotta you got to think that maybe they're going to be a state championship favorite, not just a district championship favorite. 
and then you have December 18th, you close out the first part of the schedule, uh, first half of the schedule with a trip to Piggott County December 18th. Um, you touched on that. So Piggott County got two good basketball teams, a little small gym up there. It's going to be packed. They, they think, you know, the Livingston Academy is a big game for them, and it is. And uh, you got to figure that's going to be a big crowd of, on a Tuesday night in Piggott County. Got some Christmas tournaments going on during the Christmas season. Both teams go to Gatlinburg. Girls go to Clinton County after Christmas. Boys go to Macon County after Christmas. We won. Girls won that tournament last year. At Clinton, Clinton County, County. Yep. yeah. So, and uh, no, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the boys finished second last year at Gatlinburg. Matthew Sells, uh, who if you have not watched play, not not trying to take anything away from anybody else on that team, but Matthew Sells can play. So I get over there and watch these boys. You need to get over there anyway, watch these teams play. But good basketball team. Uh, Livingston Academy opens up the 2019 uh, calendar year with the first game at home, January the 5th, uh, versus Warren County. And then goes on the road for five straight district games, January the 8th, 11th, 15th, 18th, and 22nd. Basically, the whole month of January is on the road. We, we just talked about this, but you go from uh, December 4th to January 22nd. December 4th, you played DeKalb County at home. January 22nd, you played DeKalb County on the road. In between that stretch, if you don't count the December 4th home game, you play one game at home, and that's against Warren County. So, whew, a lot of games on the road right there. You've got uh, one, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight single games, and then you, you know, probably going to play two or three apiece in, in those tournaments. So you're looking at 14 games away from Livingston Academy right there in the meat of that schedule. A lot of a lot of bus miles uh, being racked up there. Yeah, big time. But then uh, after all those away games, we get five straight home games to finish the season. We play Smith, Macon, Watertown, York, and Cannon County at home to finish out the regular season. So maybe that's what they were going for, is that long stretch on the on the, on the the road being followed up by a long stretch at home to finish out the season. Maybe so. And in, in uh, January 25th, that first home game back, they're going to honor uh, the 1998-1999 state championship team, uh, Livingston Cavalry Lady Wildcats, 20-year anniversary. Uh, from uh, one of the better teams to ever play at Livingston Academy. Um, Hard so, to believe it's been 20 years. I had, you're old, I'm not. Um, <laughs> they, they uh, you know, that's that's a big deal. You you always always glad to see those guys and girls come back. Um, coaches, things in general, um, you know, give them their moment. You know, they did did a great thing. It was that would have been a lot. Eddie Linder would have been the coach. Yeah, of that team. absolutely. So I mean. It's good to see faces back. I, you know, I will say this: um, Eddie Lender's grandkids are now at Smith County, not in the high school level. But uh, when I saw that uh, name pop up, Smith County, and then you know, you, you threw in Eddie Lender there, that made me think that hey, that's why it's probably there. Uh, he's going to be traveling up. Uh, Coach Lender, one of the all-time greats at Livingston Academy, um, and his team is going to be honored for their 20, 20th year anniversary of a great run. 
But then you open, you noted those five straight at home, the January 25th, January 29th, February 1st, 5th, and 7th. Close out those, and you hit tournament time, February 11th through the 18th. District 8 AA District Championship, or District Tournament, will be held at Tennessee Tech. I love it being down there. It should be down there at all times. I hope to God that one day the TWSAA gets their mind right and puts the state championships down there. Um, Hooper Ambulance Center, they made some, Tennessee Tech's made some great upgrades to that facility over the last five or six years. Yeah, the Murphy Center just is not a very... It's not. You know, uh, and that would be a good good subject, TWSAA in general stuff. Of course, football, football is at Tennessee Tech. And it is, and that's what I'm getting at is that uh, there was a big controversy and they moved it from Murfreesboro. It was, oh, they, they're taking it away from West Tennessee people. They're, all these crap. And the success that Cookville's had with that, Tennessee Tech has had with the football state championship, they just re-upped it a couple of years ago for another five or seven years. Well, you know, Cookville's right off I-40. And for those teams coming from way out in East Tennessee, it's, perfect. it's much easier to get to Cookville than it is for to it's, get to Murfreesboro. You know, I'm a truck driver, so I know this. It is 288 miles from Memphis to Cookville. All right. So, and then on the flip side of that, it's 400 and let's say it's about 200 miles to come from eat the farthest East Tennessee. And that's on 40. So, yes, you're always to come from other parts here and there. But that's, I mean, that's not much more dead centered. You know, yeah, you've got that, 288 one way, 200 the other way. Yeah, I'm sure Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro is obviously the ge- geographical center of Tennessee. That doesn't matter about roads. I don't care about none of that. Yeah. It, the facilities at Tennessee Tech, top-notch. Cookville's growing. It, they should always be there. Uh, Plus, it's closer for us. And it's closer for us. <laughs> I mean, hey, I would love to be playing the state championship at home. I mean, Riverdale gets spoiled with that every Absolutely. year, girls' basketball. You know, and it, it, it wouldn't bother me if they did move it to Knoxville one year. Oh, and, I would love You know, UT Martin one year. Just flip-flop flip, it every now and then. I've always said every four years, move it. Like, move it, move it, go. You know, you start in Middle Tennessee State the first year, or first four. Second four, you come to Cookville. You know, the next four, go to Knoxville. You know, the next four, go to Memphis area, whatever. Martin, you said Martin would be a really good place. And then just come back to the cycle. Yeah. Uh, see where, and then look at numbers, see what, you know, what the best numbers are. Because CWSAA is all about money. That's, that's, all, uh, they, that's all they care they can, about. Yeah. Yeah, Bernard Childers can sue me. That's all he cares about, the money. It's never about anything in the, done the right way. And, um, and so they've always had more money in Murfreesboro. But I'm starting to, you're starting to see a trend with Cookville starting to take over. Cookville growing business-wise and, 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 and things to do. And think, and I believe you know, I believe in the next five or six years that the basketball state championships will be at Cookville. That'd be great. They always, everybody always says no, but I, I don't see how not. Eventually it's going to change. But um, then you get off that kick. Uh, then you have the region tournament. starts February 22nd, runs through the 28th. Um, of course, the top four teams advance there, or top two teams advance there, um, playing uh, region seven, or district seven, sorry, which will be, you know, Chattano- Chattanooga area, Sequatchie County area, stuff like that. Um, you get a, you come out top two in region. You come to sub-state. A uh, girl's sub-state will be March 2nd. It's always a Saturday. Boys Substate Monday March fourth, uh, a win there. Hopefully, um, you know we want to see this happen. Girls State Tournament March sixth through the ninth at MTSU. Boys State Tournament March thirteenth through sixteenth. 
correct me if I'm wrong, because I and I do travel. Did we not just go to the state tournament boys basketball last year? Hey, we were uh, semifinals. Semifinals, yeah. Semifinals. So Matthew Sales and Wade Neely carried the load down there. That you know, so you got to figure that we're right there. Um, Coach Jimmy Miller and uh, Coach Nate Kennard. Uh, it's Kenner, Dan. Sorry, sorry, Nate. Um, they do a great job. Hats off to them. They they've been here for now eight years, um, and have done an exceptional job. No, it ain't that. I'm wrong. They come over in 2012. Um, no, I'm wrong. 2010. It is 2010. 2010. Yeah. 2010. December. Yeah, I know it's 2010. December 2010. Uh, Jimmy starts coaching here. Been here since. So that is eight years. Done a great job. Um, and you know, on the girls' side, you got Coach Leslie Riddle. Uh, has been here a long time, and has had great success. Um, and, and second year, uh, assistant and coach Billy Sales. She she's close to a mile. You know, Bruce Lamb set a big milestone in coaching this year. She's also close. We we won't mention it right now exactly what that milestone is, but she is close to a milestone. And if it happens, we'll of course cover it. Absolutely. On this uh, this podcast, you know, and, and of course we're going to preview them. You know, next week, sit down and try and do some previews of basketball. But uh, Coach Rill's been here for, you know, I think it's 2001 was her first year here, so 2001-2002. That is now 17 years. And, uh, you know, we do, we look we look at things, we think about what, the, what have you done for me lately, society. But 17 years of basketball under her uh, watch, some of the best basketball at Livingston Academy, and has just continued that trend. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, we talked about football 30 years women's basketball starting in the, the late 80s until now has always been a region finalist sub, you know TWSWA sectional um, I think it's something like I don't have it in front of me right now but 30 of the last 33 years the girls basketball team has won over 20 games well I'll tell you this and this is a nugget that I know of course me and Coach Riddle and I are good friends disclaimer um, last year was her first losing season at Livingston Academy she's one game under 500 so in 18 years, you have one losing season. I mean, that's pretty good. That's I mean, when you're thinking about the teams you're playing against. Pretty good. I mean, this area for basketball, and you have one losing season in 18 years. I mean, you this year's team is going to be young. And again, we'll get into that on previews. But, I mean, that's impressive. And again, great friend. Um, but Livingston County has been in great hands for the last few years. Both sides. Of the, both sides. Boys and girls. Um... Coach Miller's been in the state tournament. They've been in the state tournament probably four or five times under his watch. Um, you know, and preview that. Uh, that's coming up next episode. Uh, it's going to be a good year. Yeah, so uh, that'll be – hopefully we'll have our first guest appearance on Definitely. the next episode. And we'll also take a deeper dive into the schedule, talk about, you know, how we think games will go and preview both the boys' and girls' basketball seasons on the next episode of the Hog Eye Sports Show. So that'll wrap up this segment, and we'll be back to wrap up this episode right after this. Hey, Hog Eye fans. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments about our show or ideas for future segments, please send those to hogeyesports at gmail.com or to our Twitter handle, at hogeyesports. Thanks. Now back to the show. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Hog Eye Sports Show. 
Stay tuned for our next episode when we have our first ever special guest appearance. Without our sponsors, we would be unable to provide all this great information to all of our listeners. So this week's sponsor has been Greenwood's Goat Farm. So for Josh Gott, this is Michael Johnson saying we'll see you on the next episode.